Book One, Chapter Two of The Traitor by Thomas Dixon, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book One, The Crime, Chapter Two. Mr. Hoyle receives a shock. Steve Hoyle had called early at the judge's to see Stella the morning after John's encounter in the hall. As he paced restlessly back and forth, waiting the return of Stella's maid, he was evidently in an ugly humor. When he heard the story at the hotel late the night before, that his hated rival in politics and society had dared to venture into Judge Butler's home, he could not believe it, and the idea that Stella should receive him had cut his vanity to the quick. The richest young man in the county, he aspired to be the most popular, and he had long enjoyed the distinction in the estimation of his friends of being the handsomest man in his section of the state. In his own estimation there had never been any question about this, and beyond a doubt he was a magnificent animal. Six feet tall, a superb figure, somewhat coarse and heavy in the neck, with smooth, regular features. He was slightly given to fat, but his complexion was red and clean as a boy's, and he might well be pardoned his vanity when one remembered his money. His father, the elder Hoyle, who had avoided service in the war by hiring a substitute, had emerged from the tragedy far wealthier than when he entered it. Some people hinted that if the Treasury agents, who had stolen the cotton of the country under the absurd and infamous Confiscation Act of Congress, would speak, they might explain this fortune. They had never spoken. The old fox had been too clever, and his tracks were all covered. Steve had recently met Stella at one of her school receptions in Washington while on business for his father, yielded instantly to her spell, and they were engaged. He felt that he had condescended to honor the judge by marrying into his family. Butler never had been a slave owner, and in spite of his fawning ambitions as a turncoat politician and social aspirant, he was still poor, so poor, in fact, that he could scarcely keep up appearances in the Graham mansion. Steve planned to live there after his marriage in a style befitting his wealth and social position. He noted the faded covering on the old mahogany furniture and determined to make it shine with new plush on his advent as master. He walked over to the hall mirror and adjusted his tie. He was getting nervous. Stella was keeping him waiting longer than usual. She was doing this to tease him, but he would have his revenge when they were married. Steve had quickly come to a perfect understanding with the judge. The Piedmont Congressional District, which included several mountain counties, was overwhelmingly Democratic. The judge, as the Republican leader, had promised Steve to put up no candidate, but to support him as an independent if the approaching Democratic convention nominated John Graham for Congress. Steve, as a man of capital, proclaimed that the money interests of the North should be cultivated and that a deal with the enemy was always better than a fight. Sure of his success, he had already promised Stella with boastful certainty a brilliant social season in Washington as his wife. In spite of his immense vanity, he knew that this promise had gone far to win her favor. She, too, was vain of her beauty, and her social ambitions were boundless. He had received her mild professions of love with a grain of salt. She was yet too young and beautiful to take life seriously. His fortune and his good looks had been the magnets that drew her. But he was content. He would make her love him in due time. He was sure of it. 
yet on two occasions he had observed that she had shown a disposition to flirt skillfully and daringly with every handsome fellow who came her way and it had distressed him not a little he was angry and uneasy this morning and made up his mind to assert his rights with dignity and yet with a firmness that would leave no question as to who was going to be the master in his house he decided to nip stella's acquaintance with john graham in the bud on the spot that he had called for any other reason than to see her never occurred to him when maggie stella's little coal-black maid at length reappeared she was grinning with more than the usual cunning <laughs> miss stella says she'd be down in a minute she said with a giggle you've been gone half an hour steve answered frowning i speck i is observed maggie continuing to giggle and glance furtively at steve what's the matter with you he asked suspiciously nothing he held up a quarter and beckoned she hastened to his side i want us to be good friends she took the money grinned again and said yes sir now what have you been giggling about mr john graham was here last night so i hear did he see miss stella deed he did that's what they all come for she's so pretty they can't help it how long did he stay till after midnight indeed yes sir maggie went on walling her eyes with tragic earnestness she played the piano for him long time in the parlor and then he sang for her and then she sang for him steve cleared his throat angrily yes sir and after they get through singing she take him out for a stroll on the lawn and they go way down in the fur corner and sit in one of them rustics for about an hour then they come in and both of em sit in the moonlight in the hammock right close side and side and he talked low and soft and and she laughed and laughed and hit him with her fan just so yes sir she's coming now the girl darted out of sight as stella's dress rustled in the hall above steve pulled himself together with an effort and met her at the foot of the stairs she made an entrancing picture as she slowly descended the steps serenely conscious of her beauty and its power over the man below whose eyes were now devouring her the flowing train of her cream-colored morning gown made her look a half foot taller than she was she had always fretted at her diminutive stature and wore her dresses the extreme length to give her added height with a gracious smile she welcomed steve and he attempted to kiss her she repulsed him firmly and allowed him to kiss her hand stella dear he began petulantly with an accent of offended dignity you must quit this foolishness we have been engaged three weeks and i've never touched your lips she laughed and tossed her pretty head and we're engaged not yet married she observed lifting her arched brows i have honored you with my fortune and my life thanks she interrupted smiling steve flushed and went on rapidly really stella the time has come for a serious talk between us she seated herself at the piano and ran her fingers lightly over the keys steve followed a frown clouding his smooth handsome forehead will you hear me he asked certainly she answered turning on him her big brown eyes in their depths he might have seen a sudden dangerous light had he been less absorbed in himself as it was he only saw a smile lurking about the corners of her lips which irritated him the more 
i understand that john graham called on you last night indeed i hadn't heard it she answered lightly and stayed until after midnight stella sprang to her feet looked steadily at steve frowned walked to the door and called maggie the black face appeared instantly yes sir she answered with eager innocence have you said anything about mr graham's visit last night maggie walled her eyes in amazement at such an outrageous suspicion no ma'am i ain't opened my mouth has i mr steve certainly not steve answered curtly i thought i heard your voice in the hall stella continued looking sternly at maggie no em twain't me i never stop a second i pass right straight on through the hall never even look toward mr steve you can go was the stern command yes em maggie half whispered backing out the door her eyes traveling quickly from steve to her mistress as my affianced bride he went on firmly i cannot afford to have you receive the man who is my bitterest enemy with a smile stella quickly but quietly removed the ring from her hand and gave it to steve who stood for a moment paralyzed with astonishment stella he gasped the burden of your affianced bride is too heavy for my young shoulders forgive me dear he pleaded i prefer to receive whom i please when and where i please without consulting you when i need a master to order my daily conduct i'll let you know but stella dear miss butler if you please i i only meant to tell you that i love you desperately that i'm jealous and ask you not to torture me you cannot mean this dear how dare you address me in that manner again she cried flaming with anger the tense little figure drawn to its full height steve attempted to take her hand but the fierce light in her eyes stopped him without a word leave this house instantly she said with quiet emphasis with deep muttered curses in his soul against john graham steve turned and left as he passed through the doorway a black face peeped from the alcove and giggled end of book one chapter two